some security scenarios we ran. I'm smack in the middle of one we didn't think of. Can anybody hear me? theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, welcome, everyone. Another edition of the spoiler room. It is the beginning of November. Actually, the time that we're recording this is the first of November and a new month means a new theme. Uh, you can blame Ian, who's with me today, for the fact that I keep coming up every month with a theme. So this month is Cinema Serpentes. Yes, uh, cinema with an S. Yes, we are looking at films featuring uh, snakes, uh, usually as uh, the bad guys. <laughs> so more horror again. I didn't plan on being a horror, mostly year full of horror, but it's it's become that because, you know, we had the horror of 1988 and I build themes around that. And well, there you go. Now you got a little picture into my brain uh, and I am sorry for that. But what I'm not sorry for is that my right hand man is with me tonight uh, is one and only Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine, but for this month, it's Ian Simmons. Gotta Simmons. get it right. <laughs> i'm doing great we are talking snakes on a plane and i haven't watched this movie all the way through since it came out in 2006 um, the only exception i think i made was i listened to the audio commentary which if you can get a hold of it on the dvd or the blu-ray it's great is it really i i gotta listen i i actually don't have the disc at all i was surprised I had it, and I I was surprised, too, because I was going to pull it off my shelf. I'm like, did I sell this years ago? I got to go get it back. <laughs> but no, the, and I know we're kind of jumping off here, but this movie was one of the kind of early internet buzz films. Mm, and was. everyone was like, Snakes on a Plane, Samuel L. Jackson, this thing's going to be huge. And it basically flopped. Um, but... What's great is the audio commentary was recorded, I think, like the weekend before the premiere. Or oh, before really? It came out. Wow. <laughs> and so you've got Samuel L. Jackson sitting there with like the writer and the director. Like he's sitting there eating popcorn, like watching the movie, like literally eating popcorn. You can hear him like munching on snacks. And he's just like talking about how huge the movie is going to be. And it's going to like like set the world on fire. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. you know, you know, they were being hopeful. Uh mm -hmm. <laughs> But yes, uh, we will dive in here. So crack open your favorite drink, folks. And uh, we are going to talk 
some movie spoilers. Snakes on a Plane, starring Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. And yes, Mr. Simmons, as you uh, talked about just now, it is probably the first film uh, that the internet built. Uh, <laughs> for uh, Blair Witch Project. Oh, uh, well, okay, but they didn't influence Blair Witch. This is where I'm talking about where, like, the internet actually made them change the film. Mm. From, you know, from uh, the stories, whereas Blair Witch blew up because the internet was early and people talked about it. Hey, the Blair Witch. Snakes on the Plane, which we'll get to it in a little bit, uh, the story of why this actually is an interesting window into early trends of what has become standard today in many things after I've watched it. But first, as always, we need Mr. Ian Simmons here. He is so good at it. Uh, give us a synopsis of Snakes on a Plane. <clears throat> well, we have Neville Flynn, who is an FBI agent, uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson. He encounters Sean Jones, played by Nathan Phillips, uh, who's this like 20-something kid who's like a surfer and you know motorcycle rider guy. Uh, this kid, Sean, is in uh, Hawaii, kind of like riding around. That's how we meet him. Uh, he stumbles upon this uh, gangland murder of a district attorney who's about to be put away. Or, well, he was, I guess, going to prosecute this guy, Eddie Kim, who's this gangster. Sean witnesses the murder, runs away, goes back to his place. Assassins come after him, and that's when Sam Jackson busts in and rescues him, takes him back to you know FBI HQ, and basically says, you know, you come with me to Los Angeles to testify because all the cops here are crooked. So he's got men on the inside. I'm a fed. My partner and I can help you. Um, so they get on the plane and it turns out that Eddie Kim and his goons have stocked the plane with lethal snakes from around the world. And the lays, the Hawaiian lays, have been doused with uh, pheromones that drive the snakes crazy. And there's a time device that blows up part of the cargo hold, allowing the snakes to get out. The plan is for the snakes to essentially crash the plane, killing everybody on board, and then this guy can't testify against Eddie Kim. But of course, they didn't reckon on Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson being on that plane. Um, and that's, uh, you know, wackiness ensues. <laughs> Are we going to do this all night, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> all month? What's all month? Oh, shit. going on? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, my Lord. Snakes on At the At least plane. we're not doing this in September. In September. I should have done it in September. But it didn't get picked. But uh, Lair of the White Worm didn't get picked till this month. So so there you go. Okay. <laughs> Got that out of our system. Uh Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right, we'll stop here. <laughs> I don't think we will, honestly. I, I, but. I don't know either, but Snakes on a Plane, you remember when you first saw this? Oh, do I? <laughs> I'm not going to use any names because these are people I love dearly. But my wife and I went to go see this on sort of a double date with some friends. Hmm. Um, one of whom has a death fear of snakes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so <laughs> oh man but we're like it's a 
comedy action movie. It's called Snakes on a Plane. How bad could it be? <clears throat> None of us realizing that this they were going to play it straight <laughs> and have some downright, like, if you're afraid of snakes, this is not a... That's the thing that I... We'll get into it, but I picked up on it watching it this morning. As silly as the premise is, this is a straightforward, like, action suspense mm -hmm. you know, horror movie that is meant to be a good time. It's not making fun of itself. It's not self-aware, really. And that's kind of the problem, especially if you're watching it with someone who has a death fear of snakes. Uh, this person got up and left, I think, 20 minutes into the movie, which is when the snakes really start to show up because there's a lot of setup and, you know, with the whole, like, district attorney thing and then you meet all the people who are going to be on this plane and the snakes come out. Uh, this person left and spent the next hour and a half waiting in the lobby for the rest of us. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think they were any worse for the wear because this is not the movie to watch if you've got like a big phobia of snakes. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I no offense to folks involved, but the film is literally called Snakes on a Plane. It's the reason, well, you know. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And, and this person, uh, you know, we there was a lot of coaxing involved because it's it's kind of like you know I mean it's a, this is a terrible analogy it's the only one I could think of because I'm tired but it's like you know yeah we're, we'll just go to it's Cheers we'll just go to the bar for a little bit and they're like dude I am literally in AA <laughs> you know you don't have to drink anything just come hang out like <laughs> sure I'll tr I'll go in the door but no I I can't be here and then they just go and 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 leave right um so yeah that, and that's the thing is I think if this had been more of a comedy like in the vein of scary movie or something or just like overtly cheesy and the snakes are all rubbery and stuff and people are like ah! um, that would have been one thing but this is i mean i don't have a big problem with snakes mm -hmm. but i might now because i hadn't watched this movie in a long time i forgot just how like kind of creepy it is even with the the you know 2006 era cgi yeah uh you know, I, I remember when it came out, and as you can figure out, this is my jam. I mean, we, we've done enough of this, these films, <laughs> to where, you know, this, this is so, this is like, this is Mark film right here. <laughs> the, this ridiculousness, campy yet serious comedy action film. Uh, and there's a reason why it was like that, because, um, well, first off, as a bit of trivia, it says, contrary to popular belief, Samuel Jackson's agent insisted the title be changed because Jackson couldn't work on a film with such a title. Then when Jackson heard about them changing the title, because it was going to be just flight one to one, he had a he said, change it back. That's the only reason he read the title and he wanted to do the <laughs> film because snakes out of play. This it it. It gives you exactly what is advertised. And I remember seeing this on the big screen here in Rogers. Me and uh, a group of my friends went. My friends brought plastic snakes. We put them out as well and, and wore them on our shoulders. And that there was about eight people. And that included us in the mega screen to watch it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the, Again, one of the the reason I called this the first film that the internet made because it's very true. They heard people got the buzz and you heard about it, and it was going to be snakes on a plane. It was going to be PG thirteen first off, and the internet was like, "Wait, 
you have Sam Jackson in a film about snakes taking over and attacking people on a plane, and it's PG-13? Really? So the internet was a buzz about it. And then someone did this wonderful, I forgot who it was. I apologize, folks. It's been many moons, okay? It's been 2006, okay? A long time ago for for myself. But um, yeah, uh, someone came up with an audio edit of the trailer and worked in Samuel Jackson saying, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. They edited it together in this audio trailer. Internet blew up. They're like this. This is what we want. So, and the trivia is right here. March uh, 2006, New Line Cinema. I love New Line. They are my childhood. Uh, Due to the massive fan interest on the internet, allowed for a five-day reshoot to film new scenes to take the film from PG to R-rated which it was originally done. The principal photography was done almost a year, uh, like six months prior, September, 2005, they were done. And they did, this is before, you know, Marvel does reshoots up until a week before freaking it released. Right. So among the additions was Samuel Jackson's motherfucking, uh, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on these motherfucking plane, uh, as well as, uh, there's some more nudity, there's blood worked in, a few more graphic deaths that they shot. We get snake vision. Um, <laughs> and, and the reason I bring it up now, and it, it it goes along with what you were mentioning, how you're watching it now. Um, now, many years later, and I've watched this film many times, okay? I, I adore this campy wild just ridiculous keep, film let's pull over a second you keep calling campy. it campy it no this this movie is not there's nothing it's campy not camp in there. where explain to me the camp in this film beyond the premise <laughs> okay no, the, I'm premise. Being I, I, yeah. the premise yeah the premise that, that's the thing it is it is a it is played yes the, the the beginning and end of the camp in this movie is the way that the title sequence is done because it literally, you know, you've got the, was it the Hawaiian kind of oceanscape yeah. and it says snakes and then it fades in on a plane. On a plane. Like, ha ha. But other than that, I mean, this is in the same vein as like the Poseidon Adventure, the Towering Inferno. It's got like this big cast of like crazy character actors, but they're all playing it, you know, seriously. They, they do play it straighter. Okay. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say camp. Thank you for the correction, Ian. Uh, you are you are the, the I'm critic, just, whereas I'm the reviewer. No, uh, just kidding. I'm just saying, no. if there's anybody out there who's watching this who hasn't seen Snakes on a Plane, I don't want to dissuade them by well, no. inferring that this is a campy, cheesy movie. No, I, I I didn't say cheesy. It's it campy. But, um, yeah, uh, you watching it now, though, you can see where they've added the, the R. And what's interesting is I think they were going to play it even straighter uh, with the PG-13 rating, and when they did the reshoots, like the the Mile High Club scene where the snakes attack the couple, uh, which come on, that, that is, there's, I I know, okay, I know that's played for horror, but it's also a bit humorous. Some of the things that the snakes do to the people, okay, uh, it, it, okay, maybe I have a sick twisted humor. That's where I was thinking the camp comes in, you know, where the one snake crawls in through the eye socket of the one person and while uh, the couple is doing the mile high club thing in the bathroom, you had the snakes come down and the one actually bites the one girl on her breast, like on purpose. And then you have the guy who 
literally has a trouser snake later on when he's in the bathroom and it, mm-hmm. it crawls up. I found that funny. Maybe I'm, I'm well, just, but, okay. But there's, but that's not necessarily campy, right? Well, that's true. I mean, because it's that's not true. played for, it's not played for like, uh, I mean, I think he does make some kind of a joke about his, you know, his dick or whatever. He, yeah. When he but, pulls it. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing big boy as he, he pulls it out. Yeah. Right. But I mean, there's not like slide whistles or anything else well, because no. it's shot like a horror scene. That's because true. that is a horrific idea of, you know, us guys. What if something were to attach itself to our dicks? That's true. Uh, I, I say, found it funny, though. I guess I guess I find it's 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 know, funny, but it's also done to a great horrific effect because it can play, you know, either way. Right. That That's very true. Very true. Uh, you know, I guess uh, I, I use the, the term camp incorrectly um, with it, but I just find uh, watching it again, though, you can see where they put in the mature scenes in here. Um, and, and actually, I'm glad they did, because uh, it, it trying to think of this film with the concept as a PG-13 film and have the effect you have, because you're some of the scenes are brutal where the snakes are biting people and it's a bit horrific. Um it reminded me a bit of uh, a film that would come out uh, four years later, Piranha 3D, to where, hmm. uh, yeah, you had the exploitation and, and the jokes and that, but some of the scenes in there were actually fairly brutal as far as the deaths by Piranha. Here, the deaths by snakes is is brutal, but then you get snake vision. So, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a balance here of some brutal deaths, and then you get snake vision, which uh, I found hilarious. And then, you know... Charles let me let me, then, yeah. <laughs> let me just let me explain the difference here, Mark. Uh, and I haven't seen Piranha 3D or Piranha 3 Double D in a while. Piranha 3D is a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Piranha 3 Double D is camp. Okay, because there's yeah. no illusion that anybody's going to go take that movie seriously. The only point is to show tits and special effects. You know, blood with dis- disposable characters. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And it's also unwatchable. I hated that movie. <laughs> well, I like it, I, well, I like movies that try, and I think it, Piranha 3D tried, and then Piranha 3 Double D was just like we're gonna get asses and seats with nothing matter. It, it may surprise you, but I do prefer Piranha 3D over Piranha 3 Double D. Piranha 3 Double D tried way too hard, um, and, and you know, and this film doesn't try hard. It. It is trying. It is playing it more of a straight horror, and a lot of uh, the aspects of, of the deaths and the special effects and the makeups and the situations they have. You have this plane that could crash at any time. You have uh, all these snakes on the plane taking out, uh, you know, uh, members of the, uh, you know, the uh, the plane uh, constantly. Uh, there's always a constant threat, and you know, th- this film is fun. <laughs> It's it's that weird kind of fun though because yeah. it's it's fun in that like you're on that kind of an emotional roller coaster right but I mean there's stuff that I mean maybe I have a snake phobia too because like when they're the, the scenes where the snakes are on the the floor mm-hmm. just kind of like making their way around the passengers this is before they really attack right. I'm just like there's that scene where the girl is barefoot and mm-hmm. you know she pulls her foot up the last second I mean that's just it's terrifying I. I was I was doing some stretches earlier tonight. I saw a house centipede on the ceiling, and I started to freak out. Like this is this is a little <laughs> bit too close to me. 
yeah, there's there's a lot of serious horror scenes in here. Um, and you're right. I, I, I shouldn't call it camp because it is playing it straight here, as ridiculous as the concept is. Um, and I think that may have surprised some people. And maybe that's what turned some people off when they went in, not ex- because the title and the, the hype, the Internet hype. This was before, you know, things. This was one of the early viral things. If you want a definition of viral, Snakes on a Plane was one of the earlier viral things that that people were constantly talking about on the internet and forums and the the like I said the fake trailer made the rounds forever. So, you know, you go into it thinking you're going to get something like that and they play it, yeah. I mean, uh yeah, some I mean, some of the special effects look dated, but some of them look really good i like some of the snake effects especially the makeup oh, yeah. effects when people get bit and we're not just talking about adults kids get bit too everybody these snakes are not particular young old which adds an extra level of uh, uh threat and you know tension to this it, this film has some tension filled scenes in it it does and it's also got you know some unbelievable sadness too mm-hmm. um there's the there's the newlywed couple mm. who you know the guy is kind of played for laughs because he's constantly having panic attacks and you know he's sweaty and he needs a Valium or whatever and then you know because he's kind of established in this early these early scenes that I was talking about and then we catch up with him later right before mm. the snake attack and his wife's like if you were so miserable why did you agree to go to you know Hawaii um, and he's like because because you wanted to go. And it's a nice it's a nice moment right but then they end up dying together you know when you know towards the the middle of the movie there's this bit where i think everyone's trying to like run up the stairs to the right. to the higher level get away and the the drink carts like start going haywire because they're because the plane is like bobbing Diving, all up yeah. and down right i think one or both of them get caught behind one of these things and a whole bunch of snakes descend upon them and they just they kill them they get attacked by like eight snakes eight different snakes yeah right and there's there's no moment of heroism it's just they get cornered and then they get attacked and then they're dead which is not usually what this kind of movie would you know be set up for there are those kinds of moments with other characters you know there's the heroic you know, moment of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. or just you know kind of putting yourself on the line for you know someone you love but in this one it's just like yeah that's that's nature sometimes you know these snakes aren't evil they're just doing what they do Mm-hmm. Uh, and these people were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, yeah, because they played the pheromones angle as they put pheromones on the lays, which uh, got all the snakes up into a tizzy, uh, which uh, get the hyper-aggressiveness, and that even affected the one passenger who kept sneezing, and they're like, well, wonder what it is. Oh, maybe it's the lays. You know, uh, they kept coming back to the lays a few times before all the snakes, all everything just went, you know, uh, belly up, basically, uh, and, and and mass chaos, they kept coming back to the lays a bit, letting you know that, yeah, they're here. And, you know, even in the beginning, we see them, uh, we see the crooks spraying the lays with the pheromones, and then we see the same lays getting put around the people's necks, and you're like, holy crap, we haven't even seen snakes yet. It just, they build this up to, like, you're just waiting for that trigger to be pulled. And when it gets pulled, it's not on a small scale either. It's not like we have a few snakes sneak here and then here no at one 
it all breaks out at once. Snakes dropping from everywhere, coming from everywhere. Mass chaos. And the fact that you're trapped in a plane adds that extra level of tension. And yeah, I maybe that's why it didn't, because this is played a lot straighter than you might think, even with the humor. And again, I was mistaken in calling it camp before. This is being an action horror film, and it succeeds. That scene where you talk about with the couple, it's not just the fact that they get attacked. They get attacked by various different forms of snakes. One of them is a spitting snake. And during this scene, not only are the snakes, like four or five of them jump on the guy and, and bite him and they're biting her, the snake spits. We cut back to a snake and we come back. The guy's holding his eyes and like liquid is actually coming out of his eye socks, sockets as he's screaming and she's getting snakes like bit. It's like on her cheek and on, on her, her chest. Che- and yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's horrific. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's why not every character in this movie deserves like a big spotlight, but they set this couple up. Mm-hmm. So you think there's going to be more to them? Like, nope, they're just they're just dead. Um, it, it reminds me of a, another disaster movie I saw a few years ago. Um, I think highly underrated. It was great the theatrical experience called Everest. Oh and yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's a bit where I think it was I think it was John Hawks was someone who was up on the mountain and people had to go rescue him, and so they right. sent up yeah. the team, and and the one guy went to rescue him. And this point, John Hawks was so like frostbitten and you know half out of his head delirious that he was following the one guy and he just like took a wrong step and maybe it was josh brolin like in front of him or something but you see him just like step off a ledge and just like disappear like he fell down a fucking chasm that was the end of it wow and it's like all of that for nothing it's just like so senseless and so it's a great like movie moment but you're also like wow this is this is sad (laughs) well and we get a few other moments like that as well lynn shay shows up in here wonderfully i love lynn shay and any i love lynn shay's performance and almost pretty much anything if i see her in it she she's just a wonderful she's one of those actors that just she's in this scene i love it <laughs> that's that's honestly that's one of the big thrills of seeing like the new line logo pop up i'm like i hope that lynn shay is in this yeah because she shows up here as is one of the veteran uh you know, uh, flight attendants, and she makes a heroic effort. She saves a woman's baby when while getting, you know, bit. And again, we're not talking like uh, a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, deep, deep characters, but we get a lot of characters that you spend more time than you might think who become snake fodder, not just the one couple, but a couple other. We're introduced to them where. We get enough, just enough to where you're like, oh, we can put together who that character is. And we're like, oh, that's just, you know, an average Joe, like the couple with the Mile High Club. We get a scene right before them where they just kiss and they kind of smile. You can tell, oh, that's a love couple in love. You know, you get the uh, you get three G's, who is the the celebrity, because you always got to have at least one celebrity in, in disaster films, the celebrity with his two buddies who are his, uh, um, you know, uh, bodyguards of sorts and yet 3g has a germ phobia uh <laughs> very very eerily prescient he was like won't shake hands he's like big close-up on the purell bottle <laughs> and at one point hit troy his uh keenan thompson says it's the howard hughes of rap 
he says that, I just lose it every time he says it because I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's kind of a deep reference. If you're not familiar with Howard Hughes, you're like, oh, but yeah, you know, you get enough of these guys to know that they're friends in that. We get enough of, you know, each of these characters and not all of them survive to the end. And you don't spend a huge amount of time, but they do a well enough job of presenting be it tropes, if you want to say it, not in a negative way, but just uh, these people who sit, fit a specific role, uh, you know, or type of character, you can tell within the first five, 10 seconds, we get them on screen, what, who they are and you, you move on, but you come back to them briefly, occasionally. And by doing that, you connect enough with them so that when the snakes finally do bite, it has a little impact. You know, we've got two kids, a brother, two brothers, who are on the plane for the first time by themselves, um, you know, who the, uh, our one flight attendant, our main flight attendant, who, uh, you know, they, they hint a bit at an attraction between her and Sam Jackson's character, but at least they don't like fully, <laughs> you know what I mean? Fully like uh, uh, go into it. Uh, uh, Juliana uh, Margillis, who plays uh, Claire, uh, you know, she comes back to the kids to make sure they're okay. Uh, and when the kids get bit, it's like surprising. Mm -hmm. It's like, holy crap. Uh <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and then there's the, the mom with the, with the little baby who was, oh, I had her, I knew who she was, but she ended up being in the, a bunch of the Fast and the Furious movies. Right. Um, but she actually has a solution to uh, this little kid's bite. Um, it's a great story about uh, using olive oil and a razor blade. Um, you know, you swish the olive oil around your mouth to, like, I guess, dilute the poison. Mm -hmm. And you use the, the blade. She had a, an earring post that she used to cut open the wound. So you cut open, you suck out the poison and then spit out. I, it's a great little detail. There's also... Um, Bobby Cannavale is playing the the other guy at the FBI, mm -hmm. uh, who is you know kind of the on the ground man. He just got promoted, so he's no longer a field agent. Um, he's putting together this whole case where he finds the scientist or the, the the professor who knows all about snake venom, and they have to go on a chase to find the sm the the smuggler who got all these exotic snakes for Eddie Kim. And I love it because it's not part of this month's theme, but it ties into last week's episode. Mm -hmm. This is the second week in a row where we've had an FBI agent flying in a helicopter <laughs> over country farmland to get to the bad guy's lair out in the middle of nowhere. That's true. That's true. I, I thought it seemed familiar. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I, I'm wondering, too, with that expectation, because um, when the film opens and then you even get this plot, you know, where they're actually going f to the snake, we do leave the plane to where they can find the snake smuggler. Um, you know, you actually have a plot here more than I think some people may expect because there's actually a, a linear narrative, a reason as ridiculous as it seems. And even at some point, the characters recognize that Eddie Kim at one point goes, look, I tried other options. This is the way to go. You know, it's like they say that a couple of times throughout this film to say, you know, we've made this decision because we don't have another option. Well, it's it's also that, you know, the, the people who wrote this movie, I think this is one of those things that had like four screenwriters or mm -hmm. two pairs of, you know, screenwriting teams. You get the feeling that they thought about this and they asked all the questions that, that, you know, audience members who showed up to this and took it seriously 
would ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got in order to uh, avoid the appearance of a stale visual, you know, film, you've got to have different kinds of snakes. You can't just have right. like, oh, these are just like black rubbery snakes going around. <laughs> you've got all different, you've got things with like horns on their heads and you mentioned spitting snakes and all different shapes and sizes. Like, well, okay, how do you get those snakes? You know, they, those come from all different parts of the world. So that's kind of a problem. How do you do that? You've got a snake smuggler. He's got the venom in a, you know, the anti-venom mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a freezer. You know, they, they think about all these things and they work it into the screenplay. I don't know if it was as deliberate as that or they're just thinking about this out of the gate. But I like that this is a pretty tight movie. Now, I've only watched it twice in you know 16 no. years but there was nothing that stood out to be like wait a second no from snakes on a plane no yeah from the title alone you would think oh there's a lot of stuff but they they kept it because they didn't get too involved with it and like you said you could tell they i could have seen a board or whatnot okay what question they're gonna ask we hit this point what question is the audience gonna be scratching their head about you know and and they they answer it at least give you enough answer within the context of the film to where like okay you, you know it's nothing too deep but you're just like okay the guy you know the guy who does the smuggling for all the uh illegal uh snakes from other countries would happen to have a case full of anti-venom for each snake that he had smuggled you would think for you know a safety net so uh there's there's those other uh, things too, you know, the questions of of oh, what's going on and and well, you know, what about this? They figure it out and they answer it at least well enough to where you're like, okay, let's let's go. <laughs> right, and, and sort of a corollary to that is, you know, all these movies have to have kind of a compounding series of problems. It's mm-hmm. never just the problem. It's not just snakes on a plane. It's what they do to the plane and what happens to a plane when certain things happen when it's in the air. Uh, for example, uh, they knock out the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what happens if the air con- it's, it doesn't just get really hot? It's that the, <laughs> the air stops circulating and people are going to begin to uh, to pass out. Um you know, it's and so that means that Sam Jackson's got to go into the bowels of the plane. That was the one part of the movie I thought was pretty boring, mm. specifically because it's Sam Jackson. I mean, the <laughs> film does a great well. The film does a great job of like mm-hmm. picking off people as we kind of discover discuss that you wouldn't necessarily expect are going right. to go out, right? Mm-hmm. But it's Sam Jackson. He's the hero of the movie. If he gets bit, he's not going to die, and he's probably not even going to get bit. So it's like, I'm going to take this flashlight down into all these creepy passageways and compartments. I'm like, this is way too long for no payoff. (laughs) (laughs) What I do like about that scene, though, because at one point, yeah, the breaker is in the cargo hold where the snakes came from. So he uh, decides that he'll be the one to go flip the breaker while he's crawling through the tube, there's a lot of cables and stuff that have been shaken loose in that. And I liked that because it was subtle. It wasn't too much of a, like a focus gimmick, like, oh, is this cable a snake? But by having all the cables there and knowing how, how many stakes are on this plane, you just naturally have that psychological connection going, wow, there's a lot of cables down there. I hope not one of them is going to be a snake. And it yeah. isn't. It isn't. But you, where you might expect it, you know. Um, and I, and I liked that. I liked the fact that they, they play at that expectation, but they didn't actually give you 
like the traditional, oh, one of the cables is a snake. But they give you the visuals like, well, could be. <laughs> well, I think the, the nice thing that they did is there was one shot, it was towards the end of that scene, there was a good jump where he fixes the thing or whatever and you cut back to the first class deck mm -hmm. and people are like do you feel that it's the the air conditioning you notice it's like kind of got this subtle if you've been on a plane you'll notice the the subtle kind of a hiss of the air conditioning it's like yeah like a white background noise they cut from that to back to sam jackson in the compartment or down below mm -hmm. and there's a snake that has just crossed his path and it starts hissing so you go from yeah, yeah. Jumped out at you. That was that was effective. I still did not believe for a second Sam Jackson was in danger, oh, no. but it was a nice little jolt as as a <laughs> gift to me as an audience member. I also no. liked uh, David Keckner as the co-pilot. Oh um, God, yes, yeah. This is, I mean, this is he's the personification of me too. I mean, just like listening to the. <laughs> It's it's also great because 2006, like this is way before, you know, people started getting really uh, uptight and, and cleaning stuff up, not only in Hollywood, but in the in the movies. So he's introduced. Um, oh, my gosh. What does he say? Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. I do. I had a lie. Oh, he says, oh, Claire, I think I'm going to need your shirt, too, when he's like. <laughs> <laughs> he got bit and and she's like wrapping him up in these like makeshift tourniquets and um yeah i think he calls her sky candy at some point yeah he does he's like the the what what i what i found interesting with his character too is that as sleazebag as he was everybody knew he was well our main character knew claire knew he was a sleazebag the other <laughs> The other stewardess was like, oh, he's such a nice man. And she just she just <laughs> looks at him, you know, looks at her like, yeah, no, he's not a knight. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the thing is, what what is kind of conflicting with his character in a good way is the guy knows his shit. That's the mm -hmm. thing when it comes to pilot, even though he's this kind of scuzzy, sleazy guy that doesn't treat he is a scummy, sleazy guy that doesn't treat the stewardesses the greatest or, you know, he like you said, the epitome of of uh, uh me too you know at the same time when it comes to brass tacks a guy knows exactly what he needs to do and, and how to run the plane and he ends up being kind of a badass here he's piloting a plane while he's all in, swelled up from venom um you know and and i like you know that was interesting to take that character and because usually guys you know the characters like that there there's no usual redeeming quality or some kind of quality you just can't wait for him to get off and here, it's like, no, he's like, yeah, you guys go do what you do. I'm going to pilot the plane. And he knows how to pilot the plane. He, he knows where the breaker is and what, you know, what is broken and everything. He's, he knows his stuff. And I, I thought that was another interesting character. There's a lot of interesting characters in here that give you just enough bit of a difference to keep you invested in them. You know, I mean, even our main character, our, our, our guy who witnessed, you know, uh, the 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 uh, villain, he's got a couple of you know things going on with him too. He's just kind of like this guy caught up in this this chaos, you know. And he everybody look at him as a punk, but he's not really a punk. He's just some he's just a young guy who likes to surf and and ride his bike. Yeah, and you know he's got he's got his uh, moments of heroism. Yeah. The whole deal is that the feds have declared that the entire first class like upper deck of this plane has to be cleared out. Everybody's riding coach except for 
Sam Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, the witness, and then the Sam Jackson's partner who doesn't make it very far. Um, and so there's this whole like kerfuffle about like the upper deck and the lower deck, and eventually everyone makes it to the upper deck because the snakes like, take over everything um, down below. But yeah, in that end, in the big climax where they're shooting out the windows to suck all the snakes out. That's beautiful. I love it. Sean, yeah, Sean actually is able to, you know, I think he saves the, you know, the blonde stewardess. Yeah. I can't remember her name. Um, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he wants to be heroic. He's a guy who realizes people are dying because of him too. And they address right. that, you know, I mean, again, all these things that you would not necessarily expect from a film with this title, but you get these moments where he's like, I want to help. And, you know, uh, we'll just call him Sam Jackson. Uh, <laughs> uh, says, look, if you actually die, all of this is going to be for nothing. So don't just run head first, you know, and he made sense. <laughs> right. And, and it shut Sean up for a little while. He kind of went along yeah. with it, but then, when the shit really hit the fan and Sam Jackson was not around, um, he took it upon himself to to help out because, you know, he got the people to come upstairs mm -hmm. and they had this genius idea of breaking out the the life, the inflatable life raft and, and making basically a condom over the stairwell to keep the keep everything down below. I got to say, this was this is the lead up to that scene with the drink carts, I think we mentioned before. Right one a perfect disaster movie moment and it gave me chills this morning watching it everyone's trying to get up the stairs and then the stairs collapse and it right. just sends everybody flying down in onto the floor and that's where all the snakes are it's just like oh god it's it's just this primal fear you know well not only that because everybody's afraid they're there you've got the 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 herd mentality you've got a stampede basically of people up the stairs oh, yeah, yeah the rails break on both sides and folks, some of the people don't die by snake. They, there's one guy who gets impaled by one of the broken uh, uh, handrails. Another guy gets a, a pipe through the head <laughs> when well, he falls. Even, yeah, even before that, like earlier on when people are trying to oh, make the heel, the, the heel the, a lady runs over a guy who's on the floor. Her heel gets stuck in his ear. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's brutal. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and I imagine that's probably some of the the pickup shots, the gore mm -hmm. effects that they did. You right. Know, this because this movie does feel a little bit too long. It's like almost an hour and 45 minutes. Um but and I feel like a lot of a good portion of the bloat is probably mm -hmm. those cutaways to to the horrific effects. But I can't think of anything I'd really lose because it does it does move. It moves. It, there's only a couple of just brief slow spots, like you said, where he's crawling through the pipe to get to the switch to turn on the air conditioner. It's not that long, but it is part where it kind of, it actually gives you a, a beat or two, maybe too long to, to take a breath. Um, and then there's a little bit of a couple of times when the boots on the ground where it seemed just a little slow, but that's really a nitpick because yeah, this film moves. I mean, even early on when we get after he witnesses the, the murder, he's sitting in his chair and it doesn't take long for Sean, for the assassins to show up. I mean, it's only like a minute. He sees the news briefing, <laughs> you know, that it happened. We get that it happened the previous day, but as far as watching the film, it literally is like 
the next scene after he escapes and Celine's got assassins on his door. And then, you know, and, and then uh, he's on the run uh, with the FBI agent. Uh, you know, it, I like that, that they, they, they moved this and they, they kept it moving. And you're right. It, it seems just a little long in spots, but I, I love all the stuff in it. And, and I'm glad they added the extra stuff because uh, it adds an extra level of threat and shows you just how deadly these snakes are. Because I think if you go PG-13 and you don't show some of these brutal deaths, this may sound wrong, but simple fact, if you don't show these brutal deaths, you're like, they're snakes, right? Just, just kick them to the side or you know what I mean? It, from one angle, you, you, I think it doesn't have quite the impact of just how deadly some of these stakes are if you don't add the extra kind of brutal deaths. Yeah, and you know, this is as much as I talk about how it's kind of a, a serious movie. I mean, it's not like a big heavy drama or, or no. anything, but you know, it is kind of a ridiculous title. I think you got to go all the way with snakes in a play. <laughs> you know, yeah. the extremes have to be. You know, you got to have Sam Jackson say "motherfucker." You got to have boobs. You got to have like gruesome snake deaths. I mean, my God, the the bit where the oxygen masks drop down and like the comp little compartments and just that just lets all these snakes down uh onto people and that's when you get like the eyeball and you know just going into people's mouths and stuff it's just it's gruesome and just terrifying well it is because the masks are meant to be safety mechanisms and they end up being the deadly mechanisms because some people actually grab a snake rather than a mask to try to put it on their mouth. And they realized, oh, shit, this is a snake. Um, mm -hmm. you know? so, so they play at the angle of they take something that's supposed to be safe and they turned it deadly because lots of snakes. Apparently, uh, they used 450 snakes, including a hundred, a 122 foot long Burmese python. The python in here was real in some shots that 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 was a burmese python. not in all but they did use a python for some scenes in here that was if it's the one like the big mother the one that yeah is go, cracks mm -hmm. the glass and there's that yep. great like trailer shot of it collapsing that's my one nitpick is like how the hell did they get that thing on board <laughs> <laughs> You know, but but at, by that point, it's twenty two feet long, and like it weighs, it looks like it weighs a hundred pounds. Let alone, how did it get up into that system from the cargo hold or whatever? Like, that's not a snake that, that can't sneak around and <laughs> weave in and out of things. That's just like a giant turd clogging up your pipes. It, it is, but you know, at I'm glad they don't reveal it right away. It doesn't get revealed till near the end. This is it's after, at the very end. This is yeah, after the handrails have broken, after a lot of shit has hit the fan. At this point, you're all in and you're like, okay, what the hell can happen next? And they're like, oh, what can happen next? How about a fucking Burmese python? And then you get the one a-hole. The one, there's really only one a-hole character in here. And yeah. it, it, he's the guy who doesn't like the fact that he's put in coach versus first class and just treats everybody like crap. He doesn't want to be around a baby. He doesn't want to be around a dog. And at one point, when the Burmese python shows up, he takes the dog from uh, our... Uh, she would be an influencer at this point, but not quite yet, okay? Uh, this this young woman who's carrying her, 
her toy dog, uh, her it, it, like a chihuahua or whatever, and he picks the dog up and he just throws it <laughs> at the python to distract. Now, is that? I don't think that was the same snake. I think because that was oh, that was a different snake. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, you're right. That um, was a different snake. Yep. But yeah, I mean that's and the dog gets you know eaten and eaten. then and then he gets eaten and it's you know it's a pretty decent cgi effect but the thing that really sells it is the guy the the constrictor wraps itself around him and you see his face it just kind of like gradually goes slack and then his eyes start to get red and then you see the thing like wrap its mouth around his head and you're like this is gonna end badly for you and then i love the 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 denouement like at the end when all the snakes and everything are flying out the wind, the the open hole in the plane, you see the constrictor and the guy's just like legs <laughs> flopping legs, out of its mouth. His legs are still <laughs> in its mouth. I love that. I love the fact that his legs are still like it, I caught that this time around. You know, I caught him like, oh yeah, because uh. <laughs> that's the great thing is like it just reinforces these things aren't evil. I mean, that snake once it got the businessman, it was just sitting off in a corner, just like eating its lunch. Through while everything else like, is going on he's just chilling man and so you know they someone opens up the the depressurizes the cabin and he gets sucked out what the hell you know that's just inconsiderate for him <laughs> you, you know <laughs> it does make me wonder though like how conscious of like when he was being eaten like at what point did he actually die it's kind of like being in the sarlacc pit where you gradually digested over a thousand years well he he was getting crushed so uh you know slowly so he might still be alive but i think he he had the air i think he had the air uh, crushed out of him pretty good before then so um the one character i was trying to think of was mercedes uh was the the young woman played by uh, rachel blanchard i believe she is mm -hmm. the one uh that nowadays would be portrayed as an influencer and this is this is what i wanted to get to in this show i mean you know we we we've picked apart pretty good but one of the fun things that I found about this, because this was 2006, internet was just blowing up. Gaming was just big. I mean, our gamer ends up landing the plane because he played it on a video game. Now, that, that's my only nitpick is, okay, he wouldn't have on a PS2. If he was a PC gamer, Microsoft Flight Simulator is actually used by pilots to train them how to fly early on. But he said PlayStation. And I'm like, the PlayStation controls wouldn't be exact. I mean, he'd still know, but as far as the way he does the controls, that, you know. Well, I mean, he did mention, he did rattle off all the 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 planes that he'd flown. True. And yeah. he and so it's possible that he, you know, he, I'm trying to think of his age. He would have been, a, he, I'm sure he had computers and stuff. Right, yeah. As a little kid, That's he'd true. probably play all those flight simulators. Uh, but yeah, that, that was the other bit. Like, they went way too far with that joke. I'm like before they did the reveal you know mm -hmm. i'm like yeah it's they haven't told us that yes it's because he plays video games or they're leading us along like oh he's actually a pilot no he's not no we, <laughs> you know you know he is i mean that's one but of those that's things, that's you know it, it is one of those things but that's the thing is like the screenwriters who wrote this movie are s smart enough to guess what the audience is going to think of their screenplay right. they also have to know that they're not fooling anybody that the the reveal is coming <laughs> Like, they should have just gotten it out of the way. Like, oh, you're a pilot? Yeah, PlayStation. Well, you're the best we got. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Instead of, like, 10 minutes later, the guy in the tower is like, wait a second, you only play video? <laughs> 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 
But at the Sorry, same you time, were saying. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a great moment. And, and it Kenan, is. It's a nice Kenan, device. Yeah. Keenan Thompson in here is great. Uh, every, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Everybody was all in. Keenan Thompson is was hilarious in here. He's the only reason to watch to have watched Sign at Live for the last like twenty right? years. <laughs> he is. Oh, he is because he's so he's so great in here as as three G's buddy and, and bodyguard. He's just. <laughs> And, and the gamer who brings the plane down and um you know and again it's it's one of those where it's at that point you're like okay you know uh and in 2006 there were simulators that were realistic enough to where it is at least somewhat believable at least within the movie you want it to be believable at this point because you want these people to survive they've been through hell with the snakes on a plane and you want them to survive. You don't want the whole plane to go down and only have like one guy survive. Fuck that. No, we want to see people live. Uh, and they give you that. Thank you very much. Um, it's also, you know, I just thought about this, but it's, it's kind and I wonder if this had to do with the, the film's poor performance. Hmm. Um, you know, a, I think people didn't show up in droves because they'd heard about it to death. Right. They probably figured I'm not paying to see this cheesy ass campy movie that's going to be on the Sci-Fi Channel in three months. Right. But also, this movie is five years after 9/11. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that people were like so hyped up to go see a disaster airplane movie. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I had thought that. I had thought that as well. I'm like, eh, might have been just a little too soon. Uh, but it's solid. But not only. As I mentioned, uh, the fact that this was one of the early viral sensations and, and one of the first examples of studios listening to the Internet and actually making a change of their film, which is happening more often, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it. But again, uh, you've got our main hero. Uh, well, not a hero, but the main character who is uh, Sean. He's drinking monster drinks. And back in 2006, those were f new. I mean, they were, you know, they were. They were only for the extreme sports people, usually. You know, that's the way they kind of portrayed him. So, and that's how the cops caught him and knew he was there as he left the monster train. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Red Bull. It was Red Bull. That, I'm sorry. That I think it was Red Bull. I don't think it was Monster yet. It would have been Red Bull. Okay. Uh, um, in any way, so it was an energy drink, which are, you know, later become ex popular. Our character, Mercedes, is taking dog selfies with her smartphone in fact the smartphone plays an angle in the plot <laughs> well i mean it's not even really a smartphone it's just no. it's a it's a flip phone right um a blackberry and, and, it would have been a blackberry it looks like she had a flip phone but she also had a blackberry thing I, no she had, it was a flip phone you're right it was a flip phone. right yeah because that was the whole that and that was the the kind of the cute you know, you watch older movies and you're like, oh, my God, they have a rotary telephone. Yeah. Uh, but this is kind of one of those bridge movies where they're like, OK, she can take pictures of her dog and you can see the like the little like it's totally you know, 64 yeah. by 64 pixels, you know, bad phone. But then they're like, OK, we got to get pictures of all these snakes uh, to send to the scientist guy so he can figure out what kind of snakes are on this plane. And like, okay, we can take pictures, but how are we going to get them to you? Well, I guess we can attach them in an email. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> well, they don't have a computer around. And again, 
Right, but I'm saying like nowadays, oh, yeah. everyone would be just like pulling out their phones and like, oh, I'll, I'll just right. instantly message it to you. Right, but not everybody here has a flip phone on the on the plane yet either, though. I mean, she yeah. comes. You can tell she has a, a, some kind of status to where she either has a job that's well paying or or parents or both or whatnot. She she is well off. She has a fancier phone, and she uses her phone email to send the pictures of the snake because. Because our uh, guy Neville can't describe the snakes too well to the professor, um, and they're like, "Wait, you could do that?" She's like, "You know, why not do both?" And she she holds her phone out, and it, it's it's adorable because in 2006, that was something new. Now that's something that everybody takes for granted. Then not everybody knew about what phones could do. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's also this was the year before people knew what phones could do, right? Uh, because the iPhone came out in I think oh seven, oh seven, right? Yeah, so this is this is cutting edge tech, cutting edge technology for two thousand six. But looking back on it, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> no. but, it, but again, you can see the early seeds of what has grown today as far as some of our pop culture, some of our practices of the internet, some of the other things that we do socially you get bits of it in here that you know where it was a fledgling thing the gamer actually being a hero she's got a phone that can send the email you know i mean just she's taking selfies i mean it's it's fun to watch this film and see those little habits and things and you're like oh that you know you forget that these were just these were still fresh and new back then Oh yeah, um, and speaking of fresh and new, the guy I didn't realize this because I don't think I knew who he was at the time. Mm -hmm. But um, the guy who was in the bathroom with the girl doing the Mile High Club, yes, that was Taylor Kitsch from Friday Night Lights. He played Gambit in that awful Wolverine movie, and then he was John <laughs> John Carter of Mars for crying out loud. Yeah, he was. That's right. And here he's oh. just like you know horny hunk number two or whatever. <laughs> horny <laughs> hunk number two. <laughs> Who uh, gets bit up while his girl gets gets bit up uh, while they're 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 banging it up? I guess uh. the one bit I I imagine this is probably a leftover of the PG thirteen cut. Mm -hmm. When they're getting it on, she takes her top off, of course. Um, but when he's putting her up on the counter, mm -hmm. she still has her shorts on, and so does she. But they go right to grinding. Yeah, they, I'm like. He goes to start. Yeah, I was wondering about that as well. I'm like, um, uh, okay. I mean, it's either oh, really not fun or it hurts like a mother. Chafing. There's gotta yeah. be. There's some chafing involved. In chafes somewhere. on a plane. Chafes on a plane. That's a different movie. That's a different movie altogether. Um, oh. I do you think there was do you think there was a porn parody of this called Trouser Snakes on a Plane? <laughs> I don't know, but Asylum didn't waste no time coming out with their snakes on a train. So Which I've never seen. I gotta fix that. No, you don't. Not really. I mean you can, just so that you're a completionist, so you can see, you know, that whole transgression of the asylum. But uh, <laughs> it's not one of the better asylum uh, uh mockbusters uh at all. So I don't know what that means. Are you saying that that means it's definitely worth watching? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not a so bad. It's good. Or there's your camp. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, for those of you who are into the MCU, uh, there are some connections here. 
uh, of course, Sam Jackson plays Nick Fury. Uh, also, uh, Bobby uh, Cannavale played Paxton in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Elsa uh, Pataki is married to Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor in the MCU. So you've got a number of connections. And she was in, yeah, she had a small part in Thor Love and Thunder. I saw yeah, in the she credits. Did. And she was also the actress I was trying to think of uh, from the Fast and the Furious movies, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's some MCU connections in here too, but this film is far better than you might think. Uh and I that's part of the reason why I've always adored this movie quite a bit. Never mind the catchy pop snake themed soundtrack that we have from Cobra Starship, which is an actual band, folks. Their their song played well. I love that song. I, I played that song quite a bit when it came out. Um <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, some of the effects are dated, but as you put it, and, and again, I started this uh, show off with the word camp, and I shouldn't have. Uh, it, this film plays it straighter than what you might expect. Nowadays, this would probably have been too meta. This is probably would have been too, like, wink at the audience, I, I think. If they would have tried to made this today, they would have tried too hard to make. Whereas here, they took the concept that as ridiculous as it is, they make it at least feasible enough so you buy into it and they give it enough weight to it to where you're like, oh, you know what? I'm actually finding myself gripping my seat a little at one point. I'm finding myself actually jumping. I'm actually finding myself caring for even the side characters that we only get a couple minutes of. Uh, and yeah, I I think that's why this film, why we're talking about it now and, and while it still shows up in circles, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, I like this movie more now than I did when I first saw it. Mm -hmm. I think it's because I've had the passage of time and I know what <laughs> I'm in for. Because I, I I was kind of expecting it to be the movie that I think a lot of people were expecting it to be. And I was right. pleasantly surprised. Um, also freaked out because of the situation I mentioned earlier right. that we had lost one of the people we'd <laughs> come to, to watch the film with. Um, but yeah, watching it today, I'm like, I am going to go get this on Blu-ray. I think I had it on DVD at one point, mm -hmm. but uh, gotta find see if that. I want to listen to that soundtrack again and just have a nice, nice little chortle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Snakes on the Plane. It's it's the real deal. I'm glad they. I'm I'm kind of glad it didn't do that well because I, the last thing I want is Snakes on a Plane two or yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. You know, and, will the like wild <laughs> werewolves on a plane? It's like a night flight. It's like I'm tired oh, of these motherfucking werewolves on this I'm motherfucking plane. No, I, I want to see Sam Jackson say that. I want Sam Jackson <laughs> and fucking a uh, werewolf by night too. To where he goes, I'm tired of this motherfucking werewolf in this motherfucking maze. Uh, you know. Well, I <laughs> You know, you've convinced me. I do want to see that. <laughs> there you go. Now you want to see that. If they can make a sequel to Shaft, they can make a sequel to Snakes in a Plane years later, they, yeah. They can. But uh, if you want a, a definition of a cult film, the Snakes on the Plane is it. It didn't do that well yet. Uh, it has a it's, it has a following. Uh, and, yeah. So we hope uh, this conversation is maybe, uh, you know, slithered into your uh ears and uh maybe helped you want to go seek out this movie and watch it uh even though it's older 
I think it holds up fairly well, except for some of the, the CGI that we get. But uh, as far as a horror action film goes, it's effective. It's fun. And it ends just the way you want it. The ending is great. The ending is great. And this is the spoiler room, folks. If you don't want to know the ending, uh, pause now. Go watch the film and come back. Because at the very end, after everything goes on, they land the plane. They have the Die Hard sliding down the slide moment. And Die Hard 2 sliding down the slide moment. We get our hero who is just about to get off the plane and a snake jumps down and bites him in the chest. And you're like, whoa. And then <laughs> Neville shoots him and he falls down the slide. You're like, what the fuck? And then they reveal the reason he didn't get poisoned from the venom is because the snake bit the bulletproof vest, which he was wearing which uh, is why Neville, the FBI agent shot him, why Sam Jackson was able to shoot him. And when they open up the kid's shirt, he's got the, the two bullets, like they're two like, like fang position. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I also like the little, the little note. Um, there's a, a character named Ken, who's one of the, he's the only yes. male flight attendant who throughout the movie is sort of presented as, I mean, he's, a, he's presented as a gay man. But what I loved is that, and this is restraint for 2006. He's not presented as like this flaming, swishing around no, stereotype. He's just feminine. He's got very feminine uh, caricatures. He's got very feminine features. Right. And then there's sort of a running joke. Well, not, I think they mentioned it once, hmm. but he's talking to uh, this a guy that is, you know, this kind of muscle bound dude who ends up helping our influencer lady, like get a, you know, get down the aisle, um, like with the piggyback ride. But he's talking to this guy. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I practice jujitsu and my girlfriend loves it. And the guy's like, yeah, your girlfriend. And then at the very end, <laughs> when everyone's getting off the plane, Ken's girlfriend shows up and the other stewardesses are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved that angle. I, lo I loved that play. You're right. It was restrained for the time it was. And uh, it was played very well, you know, because it was it, it was just kind of bucking that a bit of expectation with his character. I mean, that was the running gag throughout the whole thing, too, where at one point Ken offered to cut the wound and suck the poison out of one of the bodyguards for three G's, but because he got bit in the butt uh, and he's like, yeah, no, there won't be any sucking going on. Right. And then you look back on that, like, yeah, Ken was just offering to suck the venom offering, out. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't like getting turned on by it. No. And, um, and Ken was heroic too. That's the whole thing. He, he, he was heroic in here. Not portrayed uh, as some Hollywood portrayals, many Hollywood portrayals would have for a character like him. Um, well, and he also survives, which is all. And he survives. Yeah, he survives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so lots of great stuff with this film, folks. Please check it out. It needs to be talked about more. I think it got a, a little bit of a bad rep uh, and then got buried a bit. But uh, it's fun. It is enjoyable. There's a lot of great things for it. And, yeah, it's it's far better than it has any right to be. <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> It just is. It it holds. I watched it again. Watching it again was a lot. Of, I'm glad we were able to do this film. So there you have it. I uh, hope you uh, wet your whistle for it. So uh, sorry. Sorry. All right. All right. I, I'll try to stop. But thank you all for tuning in. But now, as always, we get our license to shill uh, to our guest. And so 
Mr. Ian Simmons, uh, please, uh, sir, shill away. I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com and also YouTube if you look up Kicking the Seat. I do uh, movie reviews and interviews and live streams and roundtables and all that good stuff. I'm slowing them down a bit this week just to catch up because at the end of October, I did, I think, seven shows in seven days, and that's a bit much. Um, but, uh, yeah, go check it out. And if you like that stuff, like and subscribe. Uh, we'd love to have you. Thank you. Fantastic. Yes, check out all of his great stuff. And then if you get bored, you can check out specialmarkproductions.com. We've got two new interviews up, one with the director and the writer. Uh, both also produced a uh, film from across the pond from Britain called uh, Demons at Dawn, which was kind of a fun indie film that uh, had a bit of an influence from, from Dusk Till Dawn in a ways. And I also got a chance to interview Eric uh, Swellstead, who finally released the lost, quote-unquote, Linnea Quigley film, which is Heartland of Darkness, uh, which is out now on VOD as well. And coming up within the next week, I will also be interviewing the uh, director and the star of Sleep, Walk, Kill, another indie film that is out on VOD soon in November. So lots of stuff there. I got four reviews coming up. It's a light week for me. So there you go. folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now we'll just say good night, everyone. And see you soon next week when we see the film. Did someone let, did someone let the air out of you, Mark? What's going on? Hold on. I forgot an S. Yes, folks, that is the title of the film. Stay tuned. See you next week. Have a good night.